Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCKpod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, coming at you with another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. Rolling solo today, coming at you a little bit later in the week, dropping this on Saturday. It is the late game preview. Lucas and I had a schedule, uh, reschedule, I should say, uh, and he is not able to make it this week. Uh, so I am dropping in uh, to bring you a solo version of the late game episodes. If you missed it, make sure you tune back and get the early game preview with myself and Bobby LaMarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X Factor. Coming up next, we have Chris Benavides of the Commission FFP breaking down week 13 of the TCK Listener League recap and previewing the first week of playoffs week 14 in the TCK Listener League as well. And you can find out how Chris and I fared if we made the playoffs if we didn't make the playoffs what is going to happen with the rest of us who's moving from the rookie league to the veteran league and who's bumping down from the vet league to the rookie league catch all that action on the next episode uh 3 25 with chris benavides so again i am breaking down a solo episode today of the late game preview we have the packers lions colts raiders jets seahawks falcons chargers saints eagles football team 49ers Steelers, Buffalo Bills on Sunday night, and the Baltimore Ravens and Cleveland Browns on Monday night. I'll get into this here and do the best I can. Rolling solo again next week. We'll figure it out. And if Lucas is unavailable, we will bring in another guest and we'll bring you a double up. I don't mind doing solo episodes personally. I've done a lot of them over the three years of this podcast, uh, but I understand that as a listener, it is not the best to hear me speak only for uh, the full, you know, 45 minutes or whatever this episode will be. Uh, so again, apologize for this uh, kind of la- just last minute, but you know what, in this world that we live in right now, shit happens uh, with COVID stuff, work stuff, school stuff. Um, we got to just kind of, uh, you know, call some Omaha's if you will. And uh, of course I respect my team and all of the time that they put in behind the scenes for this podcast already. So They need some time off. I grant them time off. It's no big deal. Here we go. We'll get into the first game on the slate here, the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. This is a big matchup, or I should say traditional matchup in the NFC North. I'm not sure how big of a game this is anymore with the Packers at nine and three, the Lions at home, but just five and seven on the season. The Packers have scored 37 points per game versus their NFC North opponents this season. So they have been absolutely dominating the Lions, the Bears, and the Vikings. Let's get into it here. Again, this is a a late game preview, basically a start sit, but I'll kind of go through a couple of injuries and some fades and things like that as well. So for the Packers, pretty easy. You start your studs, you start Rodgers, you start Adams, you start Jones, and you start Robert Tunyon. 
I would go with Jamal Williams in a flex or a second flex if you need one. I know there's a lot of running backs that are injured. You've been battling that all season. If you're in the fantasy playoffs, though, you probably have a solid running back core, whether that's James Robinson um, or J.D. McKissick off of the wire, or you had some later guys who have now started to step up like Jonathan Taylor, perhaps, or uh, maybe you had Cam Akers, so you're already looking good. But if you don't and you need somebody that might be on your waiver still or buried on your bench, take a look potentially at Jamal Williams. The Lions are absolutely horrendous. Actually, the Lions and the Packers are both bottom three in the entire NFL, giving up fantasy points to running backs. So you can fire up all the running backs in this game. Jones is automatic. I would go Williams if you need to add a flex though. I think I'd be okay with that. Also, if you play in a league with DSTs, then you can fire up the Packers DST against the lions here. Um, if they're out with, uh, if they're without, DeAndre Swift, who we'll get into in just a second, then I think it's a plus matchup, of course, for the Packers defense here. Okay, moving on to the Lions. You can start Stafford uh, at home. I think he's good for 300 plus yards, maybe two or three touchdowns versus what should be a shootout from the Packers. If you're in any sort of bonus league, then you're getting those bonus points for 300 yards, 400 yards even. Um, so I would take that chance on Matt Stafford there at home. In a familiar opponent, of course, with the Packers. Now, DeAndre Swift is questionable still for the third week in a row. He had the concussion first, then he had a hiccup at practice. Now he's got an illness. He is questionable. Looks like he's on track to play. But, of course, keep tabs on that. If DeAndre Swift plays in this game, you play him. He's not going to be at 100%. It's not COVID-related to my understanding. But if he's not 100% even, you play him in this game. Again, the Packers and the Lions are both bottom three against fantasy running backs. I would start DeAndre Swift, no problem in this game. If he's not available, I would be comfortable firing up Adrian Peterson. Now, mainly in non-PPR leagues, because he's not going to be used out of the pass much, pass game much with on Johnson there. So non-PPR is better for Adrian Peterson. But if you need to fire him up in PPR league, you can as well. Again, the last two weeks, he's had at least 50 yards and two touchdowns. So it's a great floor. Um, it, you know, if you're able to get 50 to 60 to 70 yards on the ground, just plotting against this terrible rush defense from the Packers, plus a score or two from Adrian Peterson, he's going to be just fine. So not a sexy pick, but if you uh, do not have DeAndre Swift, then take a look at Adrian Peterson. Marvin Jones Jr., 40 targets in the last four games. I love to see Marvin Jones out there. No Kenny Galladay again. Marvin Jones is an automatic start. TJ Hawkinson as well at the tight end position. You fire up TJ Hawkinson too. And again, if you're in a league with kickers, take a look at Matt Prater at home. Uh, has that 50-yard plus leg for those bonus points. Should be quite a bit of points scored from both teams in this one. In Detroit, indoors, they don't have to worry about the elements. Should be a shootout. I'll take Prater all day as well there for the kicker position if you have one. Okay, let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts and the Las Vegas Raiders. This is a big game here for the Colts and the Raiders, frankly. Both of them still in playoff hunt, looking for that final seed. And honestly, I mean, the Raiders aren't going to catch the Chiefs, but the Colts and the Titans are tied up at the top of the AFC South. So they're still looking for a sure playoff spot, but they're also both looking for a wild card as well. The Colts come in at eight and four. The Raiders are at seven and five. The Raiders have 30 plus points in the last four of five games so of course they got embarrassed by the Falcons a couple weeks ago but other than that the Raiders have been playing very very well this game is at home and frankly a must win for the Raiders 
with the Chiefs running away with their division and the AFC pretty stacked uh, with those um, with Baltimore and Cleveland and the Colts and Tennessee uh, also kind of in that mix for that wild card spot. So the Raiders really need to kind of win out here to make the playoffs. It should be a great kind of a old school bash game. I don't think it's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be more of a, a run in a defense game, or at least they're going to try it that way for the Colts side. You got to start. Um, you got to start Jonathan Taylor and I would be okay with Naheem Hines, but I'm going to lean Hines, of course, in PPR leagues, Jonathan Taylor, I'm firing up in all leagues. He proved to us the last two weeks that, you know, he is the best back in this backfield. It took him a while to get started. I know it's been frustrating. I've got Jonathan Taylor in a ton of leagues. It's been very frustrating, but I think he's here to stay at this point, assuming he doesn't fumble his opportunity away, miss key blocks, things like that rookie mistake stuff. But if he doesn't, which he hasn't lately, I think he will overtake, you know, Jordan Wilkins for sure. Uh, but Naheem Hines as well. We know that Hines can turn any dump off screen into a 30 yard touchdown. But aside from that, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to get majority of the work. And even though they use Hines in the red zone, I think that Jonathan Taylor will also start to get more work there. He just needs to capitalize on those opportunities. If he does, they'll use him more frequently. So I feel comfortable with Jonathan Taylor against the Raiders. I also feel good about Naheem Hines, but again, I lean in PPR leagues for Hines. Also, I'm okay with Michael Pittman. If you must in a flex, um, hopefully again, there's a ton of receivers always. If you're in the, you know, you're in the playoffs, if you're listening to this, I'm sure. So you probably have better options at wide receiver, but if you need kind of a four or five catch 40, 50 yards and be a touchdown, um, floor, then I would go with Pittman. Otherwise I might fade him this week. Seems like a plus matchup against the Raiders. Um, and it could be hopefully Pittman, you know, can blow up down the stretch here. We've been having as much rookie hype for him as we had for Jonathan Taylor. But again, I think that the Colts try to establish the game on the ground unless the Raiders run away with it. I think the Colts control this game and I'm not sure that Michael Pittman is going to be a huge factor in this one. Also I'm fading T Y Hilton as a fantasy asset, just because he's completely un. Um, accountable at this point. However, he has been playing better for the Colts and we know that Phillip Rivers is going to maybe lean his way. So I don't dislike Pittman. He might be a decent DFS play if you need him with on the cheap, but in redraft leagues, I'm not going to play him if I don't have to this week, if I do more of a flex than a wide receiver too. And I'm fading rivers, super flex. You fire him up, of course, but in single quarterback leagues, I'll, I'll have better options there. And then TY and the tight ends as well. Trey Burton, especially who's kind of been that starting option there for the Colts. I'm going to fade those guys if I can as well. For the Raiders, I'm going to start Josh Jacobs. If he's active, he still has an ankle injury. He's been out the last couple of weeks. Devontae Booker's played well, but not as well as we hoped, picking him off the waiver wire. So I'm going to go with Josh Jacobs if he's healthy against the Colts, which is not a, an easy matchup. They got DeForest Buckner back after a COVID absence for a week. He is a stalwart in the middle. I'm not excited about Jacobs, frankly, but if it's Josh Jacobs and he's playing, you got to play him in your fantasy playoffs. Devontae Booker, I'm less excited about. Obviously, if Jacobs plays, I'm not playing Devontae Booker, but if Jacobs is out and I play Devontae Booker, I'm not thrilled with him. He's more of an RB2 flex. Uh, but again, the amount of work that the Raiders running back gets per week, which is about 15, 18 touches minimum, is what we love to see. I'm just not confident that they can get it moving on the ground versus the Colts. I think the Colts are going to establish the game on the ground and the Raiders are going to try to establish the game through the air. And I just am not 
liking the Colts receiving options or the Raiders rushing options. But again, if Jacobs plays, I think you play him. Keep an eye on that, though. It is Saturday when I'm reporting this. He is questionable to play. He's leaning toward playing, but we hear that every single week with a ton of players, and they end up out last minute. So check uh, game time decisions uh, an hour before kickoff. I will be on IG Live tomorrow morning, an hour before kickoff. Check in with me. See if he's active. If he is, we can talk about it then. Moving on, you start Darren Waller, of course. I mean, he's an automatic start anyway, but last week he had a career day, 45 fantasy points, which is the fifth most all-time by a tight end. Um, 200 receiving yards, two touchdowns, absolutely phenomenal day there for Darren Waller. So you fire him up no matter what. And I'm going to fade Derek Carr and the receivers um, for the Raiders. So I just said that I expect the Raiders to kind of play through the air. I do think that's the case. But even that being said, I mean, Nelson Aguilar would be the only guy that maybe I'm, ex- you know, not even excited about. I would play if you need to in a flex. But again, take, you know, I throughout the entire season, Bobby and I and Lucas and I, who have been doing most of these episodes together, we have really tried to break down the roster as deep as we can. We bring in RB threes and, and, uh, and, and PPR only options. And then we bring in super flex options at quarterback. We're bringing up backup tight ends. Sometimes, you know, the third, fourth receiver option, a slot specific guy. We bring all that stuff up during the season because everybody's playing and everybody is active and you're looking for wins. The reality is if you're listening to this and you're in the playoffs, first of all, if, if you're active and you're not, you don't have a bye week this week, then there's only probably in most leagues, 12 team leagues, at least there's only four teams playing in your league this week. Right? So the consolation brackets doing their thing too, but some of those people fade out. Some of those people aren't necessarily paying attention. So if you're in that top four spots without the bye week there, your roster is looking pretty good. So I'm not diving as deep as we usually do through the playoffs. But if you're in a position where like you're choosing between a Michael Pittman or a Nelson Aguilar and maybe like a a Brashad Perryman, which are not great options at wide receiver, but I get it. It's fantasy football. Things happen. There's been a lot of injuries, COVID situations this year. I totally understand. If you're in a position like that, reach out to me personally. You can DM on Instagram, fantasy football underscore TCK pod or on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. Or again, you can drop a, a, a review here on the podcast, wherever you're listening, I'll catch it there or jump in to our live IG slot um, an hour before kickoff tomorrow. And you can ask me those specific questions uh, and I can help you out. Otherwise I'm kind of scamming over a lot of those super deep options because I just don't think they're necessarily um, uh appropriate is maybe the wrong word, but they're not necessarily active and um, necessary at this point of the season. But again, if you're in that position, no shame. You're in the playoffs. Congratulations. Just hit me up with your questions and we'll get through it. I would go Nelson Aguilar of all the Raiders receivers. I'm not excited about Renfro necessarily. Um, He's a little too, uh, you know, Cole Beasley dependent. Nelson Aguilar gets at least the air yard. So I'm okay with that. But again, not excited about the Raiders receiving options outside of Darren Waller. Okay, let's move on to the Jets and the Seahawks. The Jets still on track to get that number one pick. 0-12, almost blew it um, with uh, their last play with the Raiders. They um, then go ahead and, and, and fire their defensive coordinator, making it look like it was his fault and he made the wrong call. One of the best PR moves I've ever seen in professional football. Uh, we 
have to understand that the Jets did that on purpose. They almost blew it and beat the Raiders, which they cannot do because therefore they will lose the number one pick there. So the Jets staying on brand, keeping Adam Gase in house, firing everybody else, letting go of their best players and accidentally uh, calling the wrong play at the very end of the game that somebody wouldn't even pick in Madden. Well done Jets. 0-12 still on track. Go get it. They're playing the Seahawks who unfortunately are actually trying and they are losing games as well. The Seahawks at eight and four, the only team with 20 plus sacks since week nine is the Seattle Seahawks. That's a very surprising stat. Again, Jamal Adams could, if you play, if you play like, you know, defensive players um, in your league for any reason uh, and you have Jamal Williams, uh, or Jamal Adams, excuse me, Jamal Adams this week, he might have 15 tackles, four sacks. I can take a, a pick to the house. Um, Jamal Adams is going to be fired up to beat the Jets and to beat Adam Gase by himself. We already know he's an animal. He plays with a high motor. I love watching him play. We can definitely see him pulling a big game here at home for Seattle against the Jets. Uh, I could see Jamal Adams having a huge one here. So I'm firing up the Seattle DST. Of course, you start Russ, you start DK, you start Lockett. I know Lockett's been frustrating, but it's the Jets. You fire up everybody on Seattle, including the DST. Now the running backs is the question mark here. Carlos Hyde has been banged up the last couple of weeks. Even when he's played, he's coming questionable. I'm not excited about him. Chris Carson was removed from the injury report. He should be good to go. So I'm good to fire up Chris Carson. I'm not playing Carlos Hyde. If somehow Chris Carson ends up not playing and Carlos Hyde does, then of course you make that swap. I don't see that happening. I'm going to roll out Chris Carson, not Carlos Hyde. And the tight ends are really nothing to speak of there in Seattle, unfortunately. Now for the Jets side, I guess you can start Sam Darnold against Seattle, where, who again, Seattle has the most uh, sacks since um, week nine. So the only team with 20 plus sacks since week nine. So Seattle's going to be bringing pressure on Sam Donald. And we know that when that happens, he usually crumbles. However, Seattle at the beginning of the season was the worst secondary versus uh, wide receivers and quarterbacks. Now, statistically, they're still up there, but they have gotten much, much, much better over the last month of the season. So like the Falcons who have improved tremendously on defense, Seattle statistically is still bottom three against wide receivers um, and quarterbacks giving up fantasy points. So when you look at those general metrics, it is true that they're still up at the top as a bad matchup. However, if you dive deeper over the last month or so, they're actually in the middle of the pack, right? So they have gotten much better with Jamal Adams getting back healthy and them getting most of most their uh, most their squad back and just playing well and running the ball, having less shootouts and things like, like that. So not as confident in Jets in general, and it's the Jets. So I would start Sam Donald in super flex leagues just because, again, they should be throwing the entire game against Seattle, who actually has a decent run defense. So I would go with Sam Donald. Rashad Perryman, I'm firing up regardless in this game. Jamison Crowder, if active, I play him. He is questionable, and Denzel Mims is out. So there is a chance that Bashard Perryman is, frankly, the only option here that we know of um, for the Jets. And if you do, then that's, you know, he's getting probably 15 targets, and we like that. If Jamison Crowder plays, he had a low, uh, low target share for his standards for Sam Darnold last week, but he did have two touchdowns. So I like Perryman. I like Crowder for PPR leagues. Non-PPR leagues, I'm going to fade everybody on the jets, um, including Ty Johnson. Now Ty Johnson came in last week after Frank Gore went down with the um, 
concussion, and he played very well to his credit against the Raiders. Uh, the Seattle defense is not the Raider defense. The Seattle defense is much better against the run. They're much better overall. Ty Johnson is not somebody I'm going to start unless I spend all my fab on him or something, and I have to throw him into my waivers uh, or my my roster now because I got him off of waivers. Frank Gore could be back. Now, he doesn't have a history of uh, concussions, which is great. So if Frank Gore is healthy, they're going to play him, obviously, and there might be more of a timeshare, but it's not going to be Ty Johnson for the entire game. So I'm not excited about Ty Johnson per se, but if you have to play him, I guess go ahead, Frank Gore. I'm going to fade. Love the man. I have a signed jersey of his, uh, OG 49er, but Frank Gore is done for fantasy. Now, when we're talking about the... Atlanta Falcons and the Los Angeles Chargers. This one is interesting because on paper, there is a ton of fantasy asset in this game. There's a ton of fantasy names, a lot of high draft picks uh, with running backs and and wide receivers and even the quarterbacks. Um, There's going to be a lot of high draft picks on these teams next year, as well as Herbert now has climbed the charts. Um, However, there's been some things in this game coming into it where I'm not necessarily as excited. So let's break down the Falcons and the Chargers. The Falcons come in at four and eight, the Chargers at three and nine, two teams who even over the last five plus years have been underachieving. Like the Chargers are always the most underachieving team in the AFC. The Falcons, other than their 2016 Super Bowl run with Matt Ryan as the MVP, of course, we all know what happened with the Patriots, but they seem to be the most underachieving roster wise in the NFC. And it just doesn't make sense. I mean, it, it definitely has to do with coaching. Um, I expect, I expect Anthony Lynn to get fired uh, soon. If not after the season, Dan Quinn got fired. They brought in Raheem Mostert, Raheem Morris, excuse me, in uh, Atlanta. And once he took over that defense completely turned around. I just mentioned Seattle's defense went from the worst to middle of the pack. Well, the Falcons were basically the worst as well. And they went to middle of the pack also. So, Thankfully, these teams are playing better now, but they just can't get wins. We know that the Chargers and the Falcons have both relinquished so many late leads and just lost games. So they're both great NFL teams. They can beat anybody any given Sunday, but they have not done it with consistency. So unfortunately, they're both bottom of the barrel. Ryan and Herbert both rank as top 10 in passing yards per game this season. And they're both going to be high draft picks next year for quarterbacks, um, especially in super flex leagues. But unfortunately, we just cannot rely on them weekly. However, this week, I think, is going to be a little bit better, especially for Herbert coming back after that debacle two-point performance against the Patriots last week. And Matt Ryan, you can throw him out there, but I am concerned because Julio Jones is out. So I'll start with the Atlanta Falcons. I'm going to start Ridley. I'm going to start Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst has not been getting great stat lines but he is getting the looks Ridley does well anyway with Julio Jones out he should be the main target of course they missed him on two touchdowns last week I'm going to fire out um, Ridley no matter what and Hayden Hurst as well I'm going to fade Matt Ryan and Todd Gurley Todd Gurley should be back he's quote-unquote going to get the normal workload for Todd Gurley even the normal workload was touchdown dependent early on If you've made it this far and you have an option that is not Todd Gurley that you can fire up, I would do that. If you have to play Todd Gurley, then do it. This should be a shootout. Um, I think that Todd Gurley is probably going to score a touchdown in this game. He might even get two. 
but he's kind of a Adrian Peterson at this point. They don't use him in the pass game. He might get 50, 60 yards on the ground and a touchdown or two, which is nice for fantasy, but he doesn't have the upside that the name carries with Todd Gurley. So if you can fade him, I would. If you have to play him, obviously you do you. Julio Jones is out in this game, unfortunately, so clearly we're not worrying about Julio Jones, but that significantly hurts Matt Ryan in what should otherwise be a plus matchup. So I'm going to fade Matt Ryan in single quarterback leagues if I possibly can. Superflex, of course, you're still going to fire him up because there's probably limited options on the waiver. Heading into the Chargers, you start Herbert Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry, so you fire up the entire offense. Atlanta is still top five against running backs on the ground. So Austin Eckler might have a tough time running the ball, but they let up a ton of running back fantasy points through the air. And there's few better than Austin Eckler in the NFL at catching the ball out of the backfield and making people miss. So I do think that Austin Eckler's going to be a fine running back to play this week. You wouldn't sit him anyway now that he's healthy, but I do think he's going to be okay. I just kind of worry about his rushing totals, but like Alvin Kamara, you don't worry about his rushing totals. He should probably get like 10 to 12 targets in this game, eight to 10 receptions, which he could absolutely turn into 80 to hundred yards through the air, let alone what he could potentially do on the ground. And he of course could score at any point of, at any point on the field. So you got to fire up Austin Eckler and all of your chargers in this game. Okay. Let's get into the new Orleans saints and the Philadelphia Eagles. New Orleans comes in at 10 and two. They have not missed a beat with Drew Brees out. Taysom Hill still behind center there. And of course, for the Eagles at three, eight and one, they are technically still alive. Two games back from the Washington football team and the New York football giants at five and seven. Oh, I guess they're a game and a half back, but the Eagles are firing up Jalen Hurts, uh, who is the rookie, rookie out of uh, Oklahoma slash Alabama. And they're going to give him a chance. And I think it's a great idea. Um, you, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I've been fading Carson Wentz as often as possible. Um, and I just think, unfortunately, his issues are kind of above the ears uh, versus his physical body, which has been the issue the last couple of weeks. So I hope he gets right. I'm rooting for the guy. I hope he does well. I, I hate to talk shit about him every podcast, but he's just not getting it done for NFL purposes or fantasy purposes for the most part. Um, so Jalen Hurts coming in, giving a, a breath of fresh air there. Now, I worry about Jalen Hurts and this entire Eagles offense against the Saints, though. I mean, the Saints are one of the best defenses overall in the entire NFL, especially against the run. Now, Carson Wentz is able to run the ball-ish, but not as much as he used to do since he you know, blew out his ACL a few years ago. So what are they going to do with Jalen Hurts on the ground? If they can get him out of the pocket, make a couple of plays, make the defense honest, and actually Miles Sanders gets enough carries to do something, the Eagles might have a shot, and they might have a shot for fantasy purposes. But in general for the Eagles, I'm fading everyone in this game if I can. Yes, that includes Miles Sanders. I'm fading everyone in this game if I can. The Saints defense is amazing, and I don't trust Hurts. Hurts, excuse me, in his first career game versus New Orleans. I think he's going to be great long term. And I think the Eagles are making the right decision. I also think the Eagles move on from Carson Wentz next year, or he's the backup because he has a ridiculous contract that they can't get away from. Nonetheless, I think it's Jalen Hurts moving forward. And I think overall, he's going to be fantastic, hopefully for a long time, if he can be as good of a, um, a throwing quarterback as he is a rushing quarterback, you know, all uh Kyler Murray, Lamar, whatever. If he can do both, uh Josh Allen, then I think he's gonna be just fine. So like him long term, don't like him this week against the Saints. Sanders might be mandatory. 
for you during your um, roster decisions, but I'd fade him if you can. And I don't trust any wide receivers right now. Might go with Goddard at the tight end position just because it's a tight end position, but not quite sure what they're going to do there with uh, Zach Ertz and um, Jalen Hurts in. So I am fading Philadelphia if I possibly can. Let's get into the Saints side. I'm going to start Taysom Hill once again in Superflex. I am going to fade him against Philadelphia in single quarterback leagues if I can. Just there's other streaming options. Uh, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Matt Stafford, Daniel Jones, even Tom Brady. A couple other options that I might fade in single quarterback leagues that might be under waivers. But in Superflex leagues, I'm going to fire up Taysom Hill. And if you're still uh, cheating in ESPN and he's remaining in your tight end slot, then congratulations. Um, I'm also good with both Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray in this game, but definitely lower expectations. Philadelphia is top 10 against fantasy running backs overall. So Alvin Kamara is Alvin Kamara. He showed last week that he finally can get something done. But as mentioned, he's not getting it done in the pass game. Latavius Murray has been a great runner, getting plenty of work. But as I just mentioned, Philadelphia top 10 against fantasy running backs on the ground. So I'm worried about both of these guys. I'm not going to lie. All three of these running backs, fantasy relevant running backs, Kamara Murray and Miles Sanders on the other side. I am not excited to play this week, but it's hard to fade Kamara and Sanders, especially. And uh, Latavius Murray, I've been kind of batting for more than Kamara the last three weeks with Taysom Hill in there because he's getting more work. So if you have to do it, you have to do it. And I think you'd be okay. Um, just lower expectations there with those guys. You start Michael Thomas, of course, but you fade the rest of the wide receivers for um, New Orleans right now. And I just don't trust Jared Cook uh, either if we don't have Drew Brees. And then I'm good with the Saints DST as well against Philadelphia, a rookie quarterback, an offense that's been struggling regardless. So unless he uh, gets lightning in a bottle here and catches a little bit of like, um, you know, early season Justin Herbert with a rookie quarterback, I just don't think Jalen Hurts is going to do much against New Orleans because I don't think Philadelphia has the weapons that Justin Herbert has in Los Angeles with the chargers. So uh, I am certainly concerned if, if Jalen hurts doesn't get it done on the ground, if he can bust out a couple Daniel Jones, you know, 40, 50 yard runs, then of course he'll accumulate those fantasy points, but concerned. So I'm going to go and uh, be confident with the saints DST. Let's move on to the football team and the 49ers. San Francisco has allowed 326 total yards per game this season, which is the sixth fewest in the NFL. Washington has been getting wins behind Alex Smith, but we know what Alex Smith is. He's a game manager. They do not rack up points. They do not have Antonio Gibson. I don't believe that they're going to be scoring very much in this game in general. I think this is going to be a low-key, old-school, run-the-ball, play-defense game. Honestly, I would be surprised if this game gets out of the 20s. Um, for each team so something like a you know 24 17 21 uh, 24 type of game I think is what we're looking at where the modern day NFL is closer to high 20s and 30s for most teams but for these two guys it's uh, five and seven I do expect it to be slower going for the Washington football team I am going to start Janie McKissick in PPR leagues especially and I'm okay with uh, Peyton Barber in non PPR leagues as well again Antonio Gibson out so we saw Janie McKissick with 10 receptions last week Peyton Barber has actually looked quite good he was you know quite the laughing stock in um, kind of the the butt of jokes in fantasy circles while he was in Tampa Bay but they're using him in a better system. He has a better offensive line. Alex Smith calls a great game. And frankly, Peyton Barber looks pretty good. The 49ers are excellent against the run. So I don't love that matchup, 
But again, if they're on the field and they're going to chew up clock and they're going to run plays, I like the tandem of Barber and McKissick. So McKissick and PPR, Barber and non-PPR, I'd be okay with both if you need to. Now, Terry McLaurin is a must, but again, lower expectations. Um, the 49ers, not what they were last year, but certainly still a very capable uh, defense in the secondary. And Logan Thomas as Smith's 2B behind McLaurin and McKissick with no Antonio Gibson, I think is a start. Now, the 49ers are actually the number one team technically against fantasy tight ends but they haven't played a lot of teams with great tight ends. Like think of, you know, two teams that they play uh, twice a year, the Seahawks and the Cardinals don't even use a tight end. Right. So that number is a bit skewed. Um, they also played the Patriots. They don't have a tight end um, that they use. So the numbers a bit skewed. However, they're still very good with their linebacker core and their nickel cornerback. So just, you know, Logan Thomas, I think is, is a top five, eight tight end at this point weekly, just because of the opportunity that he's getting. Plus he's able to score touchdowns and they don't really have a second option behind um, Terry McLaurin as far as pass catchers, um, not out of the backfield. So I do like Logan Thomas and I think you can fire him up with confidence, but again, with this entire Washington football team, I would lower expectations in general. If you're not in PPR leagues, PPR leagues, McKissick, McLaurin and potentially Logan Thomas, they could get you away with, you know, maybe four or five, six catches a piece, uh, which is a nice little floor. But if you're, if you're looking at yardage and touchdowns specifically, I'm a little bit more concerned there with those pass catchers for San Francisco. I'm going to start Mostert. He did not have a great game uh, against the bills. None of the 49ers did really. Jeff Wilson came in for a lot of the work. However, Listening after the game and looking deeper into it, Moser was coming off of a multi-week multi injury. They were kind of limiting his work anyway, and the game kind of got away from him in general, right? Moser can catch the ball out of the backfield, clearly, um, but they were kind of having to throw the ball. Uh, they were not able to be very you know, effective inside the red zone. Raheem Mostert did have two goal line carries, didn't score on either one of them. Nick Mullins got stuffed on the one yard line. Jeff Wilson got stuffed a couple of times. The Bills defense just stepped up, frankly, and they played very, very well. So Mostert had a bad game last week. I think he bounces back here against Washington. Very good defensive line, of course. They're a top three defense against fantasy running backs. So I don't love the matchup, but I think that with the amount of work and the the game-breaking ability we've seen Mostert have over the last couple of weeks, or years, I should say, the last year and a half, since he broke out last year, I really do think that you can start Mostert against Washington. Also, I think the game script is much better. I expect Washington to run the ball a lot. I expect the 49ers to run the ball a lot as well. That favors Mostert. I'm going to fire up Debo and Brandon Ayuk if I need to. Um, again, Washington, top three against fantasy receivers as well, surprisingly. But Debo and Ayuk get the ball quickly behind the line of scrimmage. They get running plays, quick slants, stuff like that. And they use all of their fantasy points after the catch, which is hard to defend. And uh, obviously that's hard to slow down there with the uh, yak. So I do like Debo and Brandon Ayuk if you need it. I also like Mostert. I am going to be fading Mullins, the other backs, and Jordan Reed. Okay, two more games. Monday night football here for Pittsburgh. This is a pretty easy start-sit game here. Um, for Pittsburgh, you're going to start Ben and James Conner returning after a few weeks out with uh, the COVID situation. Of course, he is a um, you know cancer survivor, so we are extra cautious with him. We'll talk about Mark Andrews as well in the next game, but people, you know, cancer survivors, uh, you know, diabetes. Um, like Mark Andrews, you know, underlying issues, obviously they take extra precautions and rightfully so with some of these players. So uh, 
James Conner has been out for a couple of weeks, but he is coming back. So I'm firing up Big Ben. I'm firing up James Conner. I'm firing up all the receivers in this game, right? So Juju, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and James Washington. If I have any of those guys, I'm playing all four of them. Trey White can only cover one at a time. And Big Ben is going to go away from Trey White probably as often as possible. I think Trey White probably takes on either Chase Claypool or um, Deontay Johnson for the most part. So Juju out of the slot, I think is a smash this week. I think he's going to play very well. And in general, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers throw the ball almost more than any team in the NFL. So I like the opportunity. This should be a shootout. I expect the bills to play well at home, especially how they stomped on my Niners last week. So I like all of the options there for Pittsburgh. So it's big Ben, James Connor, the receivers and Eric Ebron. Again, Eric Ebron has been fantastic. And if he could just catch all of his passes, he would be much, much better. He has stone hands and he's dropped a handful of balls lately, but if he can correct that, he'll be actually excellent. So I like all of the Pittsburgh options. The one weekly Pittsburgh option that I'm fading is actually the DST against the bills. If I can get away with streaming a different DST, I would like to do that. So if you don't have to play the Pittsburgh DST and there's somebody else out there, I don't know the, the Cowboys versus the Bengals, or maybe you have Tampa Bay versus Minnesota or green Bay versus Detroit, you know, something like that. Seattle versus the jets. I would fire up those guys over the Pittsburgh DST. For Buffalo, I'm going to start Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and Cole Beasley, but I'm going to fade the running backs. Singletary and Moss, Pittsburgh is the number one team against running backs. I'm going to fade them. The only team that can run on them traditionally is the Ravens. They've proven that. Also, the Washington football team uh, ran on them pretty well. Well, Antonio Gibson was in, but he got hurt, and then they pretty much ran through the air, if you will, out of the backfield after that. Moss and Singletary are not Antonio Gibson, so I don't expect them to run the ball much for the Buffalo Bills, at least with you know effectiveness. Um, anybody can always squeeze in for a touchdown or, or take a swing pass and blown coverage in, but for the most part, I'm not counting on that. So I'm going to go with Allen, Diggs, and Beasley for the Bills, but I'm going to fade that um, backfield if I can. Last game on the slate here, Baltimore Ravens and Cleveland Browns. <clears throat> The Cleveland Browns are seven and five, or excuse me, the Cleveland Browns are nine and three, and the Ravens are seven and five. This is the battle of the NFL's top two rush offenses. So we know what the Ravens can do traditionally with Lamar Jackson and all of their running backs. We know what Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt can do as well. This is going to be a very interesting game here for Baltimore. I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. I feel great about J.K. Dobbins. I think he's going to be fine. I do not expect him to get a bulk of the carries, unfortunately. Mark Andrews or Mark Ingram, excuse me, is still there. Uh, Gus Edwards is still there. Justice Hill is getting some work as well. It's almost a three and a half headed monster in Baltimore. However, it is very clear that J.K. Dobbins is the best, most effective, elusive, multifaceted running back for the Baltimore Ravens, it just is also clear that they don't want to put all the work on the rookie right now. They believe they're going to make the playoffs. They should make the playoffs. And if they can win this game against the Browns, they have a great chance to do that. If they do and Lamar's healthy, they have a chance to get deep in the playoffs once again, if they can get their defense healthy also. So I expect J.K. Dobbins to get more and more work. We've seen what happened with Cam Akers in Los Angeles to get more and more work and then explode. I do expect one of those games coming up soon. Not sure it's this week versus the Browns on the road, but I do expect Dobbins to be okay. You put him in, he's always good to uh, potentially break a long 
play or two and potentially even a touchdown. So I'm okay with him. Uh, but don't expect him to get more than maybe, you know, 12 total touches, which is insane for the best running back on a team. But they have three other guys that can take up work. Plus, of course, Lamar Jackson. I'm going to play Mark Andrews back after a couple of games out. Of course, him being a diabetic, he was out extra for the COVID situation. Um, I'm going to fire him up, though, assuming he plays. Keep an eye on him, too, though. Uh, we saw down the stretch last year that he was missing more and more snaps late in the season because he frankly just his body kind of was wearing down a little bit. Again, kind of being a diabetic, that's just something that happens a little bit in colder weather, especially. So keep an eye on him. If he's out there, he should be good for five, six targets and he should be good for three, four catches. And he's always good for potentially a, a touchdown. And as a tight end, that kind of makes your week. So if Andrews plays, I play him, um, but just, keep an eye on him and, and lower expectations a little bit. Marquise Brown. I mean, I'm going to play, I guess if you need, but he's more of a wide receiver three flex at this point. He's not going to be one of my top two wide receivers unless you're decimated. I don't trust him in general in this offense, that fluke play with um, Trace McSorley uh, on Thanksgiving or the Tuesday game after Thanksgiving. I just, that was a fluke play. He dodged a tackle basically from Joe Hayden, and I just don't expect him to be having a lot more of those. Now he could any time. We've seen him have 50, 60-yard bomb touchdowns, but that's not really the Ravens' offense these days. With this type of game, I do expect them to all be you know kind of ground and pound. Now Denzel Ward is out, the top cornerback for the Browns, so there is a chance that you know Hollywood Brown could get loose on a play or two, but I'm not going to count on that. And again, if you're in the playoffs, you probably have better options. I just don't see it happening with consistency. I'm not going to bank on one play from Marquise Brown in my playoffs. So I'm going to fade Marquise Brown if I can. On the Brown side, I'm going to start Chubb. I'm going to start Landry, but I'm going to fade all other Browns if I can. That includes Kareem Hunt. That's Baker Mayfield. That's Rashard Higgins. Um, Austin Hooper is a game time decision with a neck injury. If he plays, and you need a streaming tight end, you can go ahead and fire him up. Um, but I'm not confident in him. Kareem Hunt, look, fantastic. And if he's your RB2 and you've been riding him all year, then play him. Um, but if you have other options, again, then he would be another guy that I'd be willing to fade. So there are some big names this week that I am okay to fade. And don't get ridiculous, right? I mean, don't play like Peyton Barber over Kareem Hunt or something like that. Uh, Ty Johnson over Kareem Hunt. Like, don't do something like that. However, there are some running backs that I, you know, would play over those guys like JD McKissick, for example, I would play uh, Raheem Mostert. I would play over um, um, Kareem Hunt. Um, you know, I'm trying to look at the slate really quick here. Chris Carson, if you've been battling those two guys, you got him in back-to-back -back rounds, probably fourth and fifth round or so. I'd play Chris Carson against the Jets, Jonathan Taylor against the Raiders. I'd play him over Kareem Hunt. So there are some options to fade. I just don't like the matchup. And frankly, Kareem Hunt has really been relying on late game opportunity goal line work um, and working out of the backfield. But look, Nick Chubb, as long as he's healthy and doing his thing, he is the guy. And I believe that they're going to ride him as best they can. So I'm going to start Chubb. I'm going to start Landry, but I'm going to fade all of the Browns, including um, Austin Hooper, who is a game time decision and Baker Mayfield. Again, Baker went off last week, 300, you know, 30 plus four touchdowns, but uh, <laughs> the Titans defense is horrendous and the Baltimore defense is getting healthy at the right time. So actually, Baker Mayfield is my super flex sit of the week. So I'm not excited about him. I just realized I did not actually give the uh, standings. And I apologize for Steelers and Bills fans. Um, I've been breaking down each team and then telling you their NFL status and whatever. I skipped over that. I'm sorry for the Bills and Steelers. The Steelers are 11 and one. 
and the uh, again they're only lost to the Washington football team so they'll be trying to uh, correct that this week but they have a uh, very tough matchup in Buffalo against the Bills who are nine and three huge win over the 49ers last week across the country Pittsburgh has allowed 17 and a half points per game this season which is the fewest in the NFL so I actually think the Bills win this game in Buffalo but if Pittsburgh's only allowing 17 and a half game or points, let's say that Buffalo gets 17, maybe 20. All right. Say they get 20 points. It's probably max. So that means they're going to Buffalo is going to have to hold Pittsburgh to, you know, 14, 17, 20 themselves. I think they can do it. If James Conner can't get running and the Buffalo Bills can shut down a little bit on the pass and they can move the ball a little bit. This is going to be a nasty game, but I do think it's going to be something like 17, 20, 20, 24, another kind of a, a ground and pound game here, but uh, I'm going to give the bills a chance um, at, uh, at Buffalo. So those are the late game previews. I usually, you know, I kind of let the, the, whoever's on Bobby and, and uh, Lucas break down their, you know, picks of the week. Uh, they're not here, obviously. So I'm going to just give you mine this week. Uh, we'll start again with Tampa Bay or excuse me with green Bay and Detroit. Um, I'm going to go with green Bay uh, even in Detroit. I think Rogers and Adams are just playing too well. I'm going to go with uh, green Bay there. Indianapolis against the Raiders again, even on the road, I'm going to take the Colts. I think their defense is going to be much better. I think they'll be able to shut down Josh Jacobs or Booker, whoever plays. And then, frankly, when Derek Carr just starts chucking it at the end of the game when they're behind, uh, I think he's going to have a couple of turnovers. So if they can focus on Darren Waller, I think they will shut him down, and Jonathan Taylor should be fine there for the Colts. Seattle versus the Jets. Um, Seattle at home, I'm going to take against anybody anyway, and the Jets are the Jets, so I'll take Seattle easy there. Atlanta versus the Chargers. This was my one of my toughest picks on the week. I wanted to go Chargers, but – um, I think I lean Atlanta because that defense is playing so much better, but it's a bounce back for the chargers. It's tough. Julio Jones is also out for the Falcons. I don't like that at all right now. I lean Falcons, but tomorrow morning when I actually submit my picks, I might actually go chargers. That's a really, really tough one. But right now I lean Atlanta, New Orleans and Philadelphia. I'll take new Orleans, even on the road against a rookie quarterback and Jalen hurts. Again, I think hurts is going to be great for a long time but not this week. I'm going to take the saints Washington football team at San Francisco. Look, I usually pick my Niners um, and I'm hoping I'm like reverse psychology jinxing them so that maybe I pick against them. Therefore the Niners get a big win versus Washington. I'm going to go with Washington on the road um, just because I think that, you know, their defense is going to be pretty stellar uh, and Alex Smith revenge game. I'm super rooting for him in general. So hope my Niners win the game, but I'm going to pick Washington. So if the Niners lose, I get this pick. If they win, I'm pretty stoked anyway, the Niners win. So I will pick Washington, but of course uh, I lean 49ers as a fan. Pittsburgh and Buffalo Sunday night football. I'm going to lean Buffalo again. I just think they'll have enough at home. Um, it's an ugly game. Big Ben usually plays pretty well outside in the cold in the winter. So, you know, would it surprise me if the, you know, Pittsburgh wins this game uh, in Buffalo? Absolutely not. Of course. I mean, they have the best record in football, but I do think Buffalo has a chance. I'm going to lean the bills and on Monday night football, the Ravens and the Browns. I actually am going to go against my better judgment here and pick the Browns um, Ravens should win this game. Uh, their defense is getting much better and much more healthy, but something just has the emergence of the Browns. This game is in Cleveland. Lamar's playing better, but not a hundred percent. I'm not sure what the backfield's going to do. I don't trust the, the, the passing game in this one. If 
uh, if Chubb can get going, Kareem Hunt can get going, and Baker and Landry can keep keep uh, solid and keep Lamar off the field, man, I really think the Browns could get kind of a field goal victory here. So I'm going to go uh, with the Browns. So that wraps up a long one for me solo. Uh, again, apologize we didn't have a guest today. We will be bringing them back next week, and uh, we'll be wrapping up you know week 14 in the TCK Listener League and getting into week 15 tomorrow. We do the week 13 recap and the week 14 preview with Chris Benavides. So check that out. Um, I'll be launching that uh, Saturday as well. And then please join me uh, Sunday morning, which is tomorrow. And I will be on IG live fantasy football underscore TCK pod. I'll be live on IG for last minute starts and sits. Go ahead and check me out an hour before kickoff and we can talk about your lineup decisions. Also find us on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find our true strength of schedule sheet. We worked on with the commission boys and all of our articles and rankings at tckpod.com. Please leave a five-star rating and review with anything you'd like to tell us. Constructive criticism always helps. I appreciate your honesty, and I wish you the best in week 14 in your matchups. Again, if you have start sick questions, hit me up in DMs, and we can talk through it. Otherwise, I'll catch you next with Chris Benavides on the TCK week 13 recap, week 14 preview. Find out who made the playoffs, who didn't make the playoffs, how we're going to move forward with next year. And I'm getting hit up by a lot of people wanting to join the TCK Listener League for next year. I'm going to uh, release all that information in the summer. So it'll probably be June, July until we lock that up again. But if you'd like to, you know, pseudo reserve a spot, let me know that you're interested. Go ahead and hit me up in DMs and uh, let me know. And I can't promise a spot because I get hit up by a lot of people and I want to be fair on that. But if you're interested, I can kind of put you on that list. Um, and then I cannot reach back when we have actual submissions to make sure that you are in that process. So I appreciate everybody for tuning in. Thank you so much. This is episode 324 of the candlestick kids fantasy football podcast. Best of luck in the first week of your fantasy football playoffs week 14. Hope you join us again next week, which means you are moving on once again to the semifinals. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. Thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend and best of luck in week 14. I am out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.